Hey buds, this is Henry. Before we get started today, I wanted to address what's going on in this country right now and, and state unequivocally that we stand in solidarity with the protests and movement happening across the United States. Black lives matter and all lives cannot matter until black lives matter. Even if you can't get out and protest and show your support that way, there are still so many things that you can do to show yourself as an ally, including amplifying messages socially as well as donating your money or time uh, as a volunteer. No justice, no peace. Well, you know what? Let's just... You guys just want to do the thing? Let's, Let's fire do it, it, baby. All right. Boom. <laughs> Episode 59, GearBuds Podcast. We're just going to get started here. And we have some awesome guests from an awesome band on the phone right now. Would you two mind uh, doing, doing us the honor of introducing yourselves? Yeah. Uh, I'm Max Loebman. I play guitar and sing in Rookie. And we've also got... Uh, my name is Dimitri Panutsos, and I play guitar in Rookie. And I definitely do not sing. <laughs> Dimitri sings a song. Right on. You just do some. You just play those those singing ripping leads. Singing uh, ripping leads. Guitar. Yes, that's the oh, goal. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Well, I cannot wait to talk all about all of the triple guitar attack and beautiful stuff you guys do in your band. But we have some segments, and we're just going to dive on in. First one that we always get into the symphony of corrections. Here is your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes. Uh, and this is also where I have to say to Dimitri and Max as uh, guitarists, this is where I'll be gifting you with the gift of a tone tube. Uh, but unfortunately, we're not in the same place right now. So just know that uh, whenever we do get to actually hang out and, and, and make music and stuff again in, in public, you've got a couple tone tubes with your names on them. Uh, Thanks to all of our new listeners that have been have been joining in the past few weeks. Had an awesome episode last week with our good friend Gretchen from Pylons. As always, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, sub- subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google, blah, blah, blah. Um, still updating uh, GearBudsPodcast.com with all the free stuff that's get, being given out right now during COVID and all that shit. So um, there's actually a pretty cool Korg Poly 800 plugin that's free right now nice. um, that I'll, I'll post on there. That's, that's a pretty fun one. Uh, yeah, no, uh, no, I don't think we're, I don't know. I mean, maybe I didn't listen deeply enough last week, but I don't really feel like I had any real corrections. Dave, was there anything that I said that was real stupid that you feel like we should fix? <laughs> no, I think we should just leave it all there. You know, it's great. No, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear anything that stood out. Um, yeah, I think we're good on the symphony. Dave, I've got to, I've got to give you a quick trigger warning here because, mm-hmm. um, for a long time listeners, if you haven't, or if maybe if you're new to the show, um, Dave has some serious issues with putting stickers on guitars. Yeah. Okay? It's, it's a, it's a, it's a point of contention. It's something that we've been arguing for 59 episodes now. I don't necessarily feel very necessarily pro sticker on guitar, but I think because of your fierce position and <laughs> to the contrary, it's, it has, it has, it has forced me into that. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, I just, I've just got to get it out there. I took my, the first guitar that I ever had and I, it's busted, it's broken, it's a piece of shit. Uh, the neck was, had a crack in it. And I was like, I just feel guilty having this thing around, but I can never get rid of it. What am I going to do with this thing? So I decided to take the, just I don't know. Let's we'll just say thirty years worth of stickers that I've been saving, and I covered quite literally the entire guitar from top to bottom in stickers. <laughs> Son of a bitch! 
<laughs> well, I, you know, I, I did see it, man. And I, I have to say, I approve. I mean, it's, you know, from a layout perspective, you did a hell of a job. Um, you, you actually kept everything very like geometric and, uh, you know, I think it was very balanced and, um, and you covered the entire guitar more of like a piece of art than maybe just slapping on your favorite, you know, saying, um, so I, I approve, man. It, it looks great. I, I, did you post it on the, uh, on the gram? I didn't, you know, honestly, first I would just like to acknowledge, uh, your courage in changing your opinion and being so open to new ideas. Yeah. Uh, because, um, yeah, I do think it turned out pretty, pretty well. I'll, I will say that the photo that I, that I did show you, uh, it, it hides some of the, some of the, the major egregious errors that I did make. <laughs> there's some, there's some slight little, I mean, there's a lot of weird curves and shit on guitar and all I had was a bunch of weed and a straight razor. So right. like it's there, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not exactly a clean work, but I, I will actually just, if I can just say that I am proud of the way that the fretboard turned out because at first mm-hmm. I was just going to leave it and not put anything on there. But then once I sort of figured out that I could just like, you know, cut around, like just leave the frets unexposed it kind of turned out pretty cool, yeah. and now I sort of want to put stickers on every single fretboard of every guitar. Oh, is that right? <laughs> Some of those uh, priceless Gibsons that you have and, and, and such? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, no. Well, before, so, you know, that's it. I will I will actually, I will gram that because that is, it is quite grammable. Uh, but Dimitri and Max, I'm curious, do you guys, are you, how do, are you, are you pro sticker? Are you anti sticker? Where do you stand on this? All right. So <laughs> I'll get, a, I'll, I'll jump on this one. So. <laughs> Terry Kath from Chicago has a ton of stickers on his telly. I don't know if you're familiar with how it looks. It's a bunch of pig nose stickers that the company, you know, they make like mm-hmm. the small little practice. Oh, app. word, yeah. Love yeah, those. Yeah. So I think he was like, a, I don't know if he had a share in the company, what it was, but he <laughs> basically beefed up a telly in like 1974, I want to say, for the sixth Chicago record. And he put like a ton of pig nose stickers on it, like a Blackhawks hockey sticker on it. Yeah. That looks really cool. But saying that and thinking about my guitars, I would never. Don't think I would ever put a sticker on my guitar. Fair <laughs> enough. That's a good answer. <laughs> I'm kind of in the same boat as Dimitri. I mean, like, our friend Troy puts decals on his Gibson SGs, and they look really cool. Those do look sick, yeah. Yeah, they look really cool, and maybe one day I would do that, but I just I cover my, my receivers in stickers, like my stereo okay. receivers, but I could never bear to put it on my guitars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm in the I same totally, boat. Yeah. I totally, yeah. I get it. It's just so, it's so sad, funny. I feel, like, I feel like most people are kind of pro sticker in theory, but then in practice almost never actually want to do it. Yeah. That said, I feel like there are, there are some instances, like if I bought a guitar that already had some like, you know, cigaretted out old sticker on the headstock, like I'd, I don't know, I'd probably just want to leave it on there. I yeah. think. Yeah. That's it depends ca- on history. the guitar. And, yeah. That, that's true, man. If you bought like a vintage, you wouldn't want to just like take that off because then you'd have those nasty paint lines you know like the tan lines would be there and all that and that would oh, look, yeah. that would look worse than the stickers itself i think at that point that would actually be kind of neat to do like some very obvious shape uh in stickers on a guitar and then eventually take it off and see what the tan line looks like where yeah. you, you know you can see what the original finish or whatever looked underneath yeah i don't know maybe i'll do that with this piece of shit classical that i learned on but probably not because it is quite literally covered the last thing i'll say about it though is that um i showed it to our good buddy stingray and he was like well are we gonna throw a bunch of clear coat on this bad boy mm-hmm. or what I like and it. i was sort of tempted to because that seems like kind of a neat idea but i also have decided not to because i want to treat this as, as a living document and 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 leave room for more stickers to put on as as time goes on mm-hmm. 
you know, it is weird because like I did, I did sort of prioritize some of what I thought were the cool ones or whatever. So I might not ever want to cover <laughs> those, but like, I don't know, like I, I, I would prefer to leave it open so that when I get, you know, a, whatever, like a fuck Trump sticker or something like I got yesterday, I can still put that on there. <laughs> well, it's funny, uh, man, because like room for that. if you want to put it like, well, I guess you're not going to play that guitar. But if you if it is a playable guitar, you don't want to put it where your arm rests because it's going to wear off within, you know, probably weeks if you're if you're actually yeah. using the guitar oh, totally. a lot. I had a bass in college like that. And I think that's where I think that's where my disdain from stickers came from because I didn't I wasn't practicing enough. I was just more concerned about like the new sticker I'd put on there, like what looked cool and stuff. And then then they start to wear off and they look even worse. So, you know, maybe the clear coat would have been the option in that case. Yeah, do the I think that's that's the like the old base the old, the old P base I bought from you. I'm pretty sure that wear mark there's yeah. there is somebody at some point somebody must have put like some it, sort of clear coat over that cuz you know, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, there was a hippie there was like a hippie flower. You know that like hippie flower that kind of looks like a like a globule, you know, like that really like 60s style flower power shape. Yeah, uh, yeah, like the uh Murakami style. Yeah, uh, exactly. Flower, yeah, Mr. it Dob. had it had one of those on there, not the sticker itself, but it had like the lines and it actually ended up playing through most of it i don't even know if you can see it anymore um i did not know that i'm yeah. definitely gonna have to go take a look at that shit now yeah, it was on the front right cool. by the uh, armrest so yeah so there you have it sweet so that was one project i had this week uh the other one is um actually this is this is sort of a symphony of corrections uh, moment here so a uh, good good friend of the show uh my old college buddy cappy bought some new humbuckers to put in his epiphone les paul cool and uh, he dropped them off in the pickups and i was like oh yeah that'll be no problem I'll, I'll just i'll just wire that shit up for you um and i mean one thing if you've ever changed pickups in a guitar you know is that like no no two um pickup makers use the same color fucking wires for <laughs> some reason so it's always different and so i just like went in again i think maybe you might anybody listening will, will notice a theme like i did get stoned beforehand but so like i'm like looking at this whatever i'm i'm just like oh all i have to do is kind of like work backwards and then just retrace my steps like i don't even really need to re- read the the diagram sure uh in- incorrect i did need to read the diagram because when i when i finished and the way that it's set up is uh there, there's only one volume and one tone so i couldn't Normally, when you're wiring up a humbucker, you've got an individual volume and tone pot and a, and a switch. Like the wires ha- all have sort of like their own place to go. Mm-hmm. When you're doing it with one volume, one tone, you have to combine some wires, solder them together, and then put them on. So basically, long story short, I I did the wrong ones. I did like 75% of it correctly, but because of that 25%, I had to undo another yeah. like 50% of it to actually fix it. Um, that said, it did actually uh, end well, and I will say that they're just like I can't remember now. I have to look. They're just like they're duncan um yeah i was gonna ask if they were seymour duncan i have i I wish i remember they're they're not a pickup that i had ever personally used before but they're you know they're like 100 or 200 bucks for a set or something they're not like cheap or anything like that um and they saw man they made a huge difference in that guitar very uh you know of course it's like the epiphone les paul special it had like the the cheapest sort of shittiest pickups to begin with Mm -hmm. um but we've done a lot of work on the guitar like already putting new tuners and stuff reaming those holes out and all that shit but this was kind of like the last step and it made by far the biggest difference like he's super happy i think they sound awesome it made the guitar just like more fun to play um so yeah if you've got a if you've got a shitty old clunker laying around maybe think about throwing a couple two tree new pickups in there and uh might sound a little better that's awesome man oh yeah all right that's a symphony i am going to kick it over today from my favorite segment every week dave's docs yeah watched a good uh watched a good doc this week man um so 
I went a little old school, and I'd seen this one years and years ago. But um, I don't know if you guys are big Motown fans, but uh, "Standing in the Shadows of Motown" is oh, it's it's always in yeah. like it's always in like the top like ten. You know, whenever you're like best music documentaries or rock documentaries or whatever, and it's always in the top. And I watched it years ago. I was like, you know what? Let's check it out again. Obviously, I'm I'm a bass boy, so um, you know it was really cool seeing the interviews with uh, James Jamerson's uh, mm. son. Was actually James wasn't in it himself, but a lot right. of footage, a lot of cool you know notes about his technique, and um, just some really interesting. I mean, they really started their own style. They were basically jazz guys, and they just they just started swinging so hard that it was like, all right, we got this new style. You know, Motown man, this is it. Came out of Detroit. It was just like a small, crappy little studio with like a dirt floor. Um, just, I just love those old stories like that where like, you know, they really had nothing but their instruments and day and night, those guys were just playing, um, kind of invented the whole backup, you know, the kind of the whole backup band for a singer, uh, basically approach, you know, in that way. Um, oh yeah, man. Cranking out those hits in Hitsville. I didn't know this, man. This was a really interesting fact. They sold more like the Motown, I guess, record label or the Motown sound or the, the Funk Brothers essentially were, you know, was the name of the band, um, sold more number one singles than the Beatles, Elvis, the Rolling Stones and the Beach Boys combined. Wow. What? And I was like, holy shit, really? I mean, it makes sense. They worked with a lot more artists, obviously. Yeah. But, right. um, what a cool fact. So I definitely just blew my dang mind, man. Yeah, man. I definitely I, I, recommend I know it. That. And uh, I'll let you guys wow. know, it actually is free on Vimeo. Somebody was nice enough to upload it on Vimeo. So if you do uh, want to watch it and not pay for it, uh, there's an option for you. So I have, a high, looking out. I have a high quality version myself from years and years ago. But um, yeah, there's a pretty decent version on Vimeo. So Standing in the Shadows of Motown was my Dave's Doc for the week. Back to you, Henry. Dude, um, two questions. Uh, one, uh, do you know, do they address, and prob- this might be this might be a bit beyond the scope of this documentary, but and maybe I know this already, but do you know where Jamerson's P-Base is? Like, is that, uh, is that accounted for? Is that, like, in the Rock Hall or something like that? Man, you know what's funny? They didn't talk about where they think it is, but I've read, I've read forums and threads before where, you know, they think it's out there floating around. Like somebody might even own it and not know it. Apparently it has the word funk carved into the heel. Um, so if you ever find a 62 P base, uh, definitely look at the neck, which you probably would anyways. And if it says funk on the bottom, you have Jamerson's base most likely. Um, so that's all I know about it. I know his son still has his old, um, upright base cause he's kind of showing how he was playing it on there. And there's like a big thumb indention where he used to rest his hand for like the standard, you know, like traditional, playing and all that stuff so that was really cool to see his son uh play and then everybody knows you know he used one finger on every song i mean it was just he never alternated so it was just his index finger it was called the hook and dude wrote i mean the guy just wrote the craziest bass lines ever it was it was always some kind of counter melody to what was going on and um yeah it was fantastic so highly recommend it um i was gonna ask um all right no no real quick i had two questions that was one good answer second question can i have a totally arbitrary uh based on nothing uh no real scale uh rating of the documentary yeah i give it a four out of four p base strings (laughs) four out of four that's really good yeah (laughs) and i I also i also might mention i give it such a high rating because not only is it like you know historical but it's also loaded with live performances from a lot of the original members um and they bring in people like you know, I think like Joan Osborne, which I didn't know she had such a crazy voice, but um, she sings beautifully on a few songs. I forgot about that. I yeah. Forgot and she, there's Joan all these Osborne live performances. I think uh, Ben Harper's in it for a little bit doing this live stuff. And then they also mix in, which is one of my favorites, the um, what do they call it? Like reenactments when they actually have the actors in there. 
you know, so they're like, we were driving down the side of the road and like we had, you know, the, the tire went flat and they like show the scene, yeah. you know. So there's just no, that kind of shit. So I, I love it's a nice mix. It goes by really quick. So, yeah, four out of four bass strings four out of four. on that one. Yep. Damn, that might that might be the that might be the best rating yet, uh, <laughs> in, in history of Dave's docs. There you go. Oh man! All right, I got I got one for the Riff Library. Uh, not quite as historic, but I think pretty fucking rad. Um, I'm sure I'm sure you if you haven't listened to it already, you've probably heard that it came out this week. The new Run the Jewels record came out. Oh wow! And this is a, this this I think this is the second time maybe that I'm breaking protocol where this is not an album that I I, I do not own it physically yet, just because I. I I do not have that option yet, but I, you know, intend to. It is on all the streaming services and whatnot. It actually came out early. I, it, you know, of course, it was supposed to come out on Friday, like all all new releases do. But I think they were just like fuck it and put it out on like cool. Tuesday or Wednesday. And it, it it's so badass. I mean, it, honestly, like there could be no more timely record to come out right now. Like it, it like I, everybody's talking about it, and, and they're all yeah. kind of saying the same thing that it sounds like they basically could have written and recorded this like this last week and then put Jeez. it out not in terms of like the production quality but just mm-hmm. in in the content Subject i mean matter, yeah. there there isn't actually a, a full song specifically like about i can't breathe like he says it a number of times in there wow. of course which is in reference to to what happened the tragedy with eric garner but obviously with the things that have happened with george floyd is just like the most poignant shit mm-hmm. um so i mean beyond the message and, and the and the, the timeliness of it it's just fucking rad it's so good the production Production's is, is really amazing, amazing. Records, yeah. the uh the contributors on there are super cool i mean you've got zach de la roca mavis staples josh homie uh pharrell um i mean it's like up and down there it's just like really cool awesome uh features going on on there Mm -hmm. Um, i'll say content wise it's a little maybe a little more serious a little less sort of like jokey which maybe sometimes run the jewel which is fine that's just kind of like part of the the personality but it's it, it feels a little bit less um sort of um, yeah, like punchliney. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll also say that like I, I'm a big fan of them, but I didn't really like the third record. It didn't really do all that much for me. Um, and this one, RTJ4, which is the fourth record, I feel like it's kind of like the return to form for them. It's just, um, I don't know. The the songs are good. There's big-ass hooks. The beats are super awesome. The production's great. Highly recommend Definitely checking check out that. RTJ4 nice. uh, on, your, on your local streaming device. Cool. Uh, that's that. Let's just uh, jump into future gear real fast. A couple things. One, I kind of want to address this just like as long as we're talking about some of the sort of political shit going on right now, because there is unfortunately some some kind of weird political garbage going on in the gear world right now. Mm. I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, this week some shit has come out about some builders, uh, and, and and I shouldn't I shouldn't necessarily say come out about them, but I should say that they have have participated in them in it themselves. Um, the biggest one being Mike Fuller from Full Tone Pedals made some pretty uh, pretty shitty posts on Facebook, um, really kind of uh, just making making light of the Black Lives Matter movement and mm-hmm. and and not even making light, just being really sort of bigoted and racist and, and kind of shitty. Um, and, and thankfully the internet kind of uh, picked up on that and, uh, has forced him to answer for it. Um, he's, you know, he, he's had a mea culpa already. He's already released multiple statements apologizing. Um, however, it kind of seems like the damage is done because I just saw before this, that guitar center has committed to removing all full tone products from oh, wow. their stores, wow. Damn. which is like pretty crazy. That was a lot I'm of seeing people, yeah, well, I mean, Full Tone is, they were one of the first and, and arguably the largest of the boutique pedal builders. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen people posting, like, um, can I touch your gear, Donna from Juna, and, like, a, 
literally setting their OCD on fire. Yeah, I um, saw that. You know, yeah. which is uh, I, I, sort of like people burning jerseys and stuff. That always feels a little bizarre to me when you could just like, I don't know, repaint it and give it to like a kid or something. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, I never really am super about uh, destroying. But you know what? It's your personal property. You can do what you want with it. Nice. I just like that kind of always makes me feel a little strange. Um, unfortunately, another one that I saw was Robert Keeley, um, which is, which, which was kind of a a huge bummer because he's just like, I mean, I've, we've met him. He's, he's the nicest dude in the world. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it turns out that, you know, being this sort of like, and and he'll be the first one to say it. He's this kind of like Oklahoma backwater pillbilly. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, the dude was literally, he was, he even, he, he, because it, it has come out that he was like liking Trump posts and like liking weird shit on Facebook. And he's also addressed that and said like, Hey, by the way, like can't really change that but also i would like to point out that like i voted for clinton uh i would have voted for obama but i was in jail uh like you know like shit like that he's like i know like i'm just like this oklahoma sort of like backwater dude but then what he did was which i thought was kind of cool for an entire day all sales not just profits all sales of keely pedals he donated to uh i don't i don't remember exactly what organization it was but then also uh, matched it, so I, I, wow. I think it wound up coming to be like thirty or forty thousand dollars worth of sales in one day. I respect yeah. that. Um, so yeah, it seems you know it seems like he's trying to do the right thing. You're seeing a lot of other brands try to maybe sort of stem the stem the flow and get out ahead of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually talked to a couple builders who you know I'm I'm not going to name just because I I don't know it doesn't really seem like the right thing to do. But they what I what I have been able to gather is that a lot of people feel sort of like of course solidarity because they're good they're good people that believe in what's going on right now. But also there's there is this sort of undercurrent of fear that it's like people are going to try to sort of dox and, and, and uncover some, some shit about them in the past that like sure. might, you know, sort of not look great right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, you, you are seeing a lot of people sort of try to get out ahead of it a little bit, which, you know, could be good or bad. I think any extra awareness about the things that are going on right now in the world and, and, and some, and some positive change um, are only good things, but I'm curious. I don't know. I feel like I've been talking a lot uh, about this. I'm curious to hear what you guys think about all this shit. Have you heard about it? What's your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, man, it's. I think it's really wild. Um, I don't have an OCD on my pedal board anymore, which I'm thankful I don't use. If I did use it, I'd probably paint over it, like you said. I think, mm-hmm. I think uh, handing down gear to you know like young kids that are learning or people, even your buddies, like Dio, always emphasizes that. Like that's a pretty cool and respectable thing to do. And yeah, I don't want to use full tone products anymore, but yeah. Why yeah, not? Just it's it's it interesting out. that all of a sudden, like <laughs> having an OCD becomes a political statement. Yeah, it's like the, that's just one of the that's most a, like. Yeah, I mean, everybody fucking has them, right? Dude, I, I would, mean, I would just, just like that's black one of the it most out. Common. Yeah, yeah. I'm, exactly. I mean, Henry, when we've asked, we've asked many guests what you know pedals they use, and I feel like OCDs and. Over fifty percent of them easily, you know. So oh, OCDs. I mean, I've I know people that just like literally never turn that pedal off. Right. You that's know? what so I'm that's, saying. <laughs> They're like it's, it's the most. It's just one of those things. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's, yeah, I like the idea of blacking it out. You know, or um, you know, covering it with stickers. I'm okay with that. Uh, oh, stickers. All right, <laughs> yes. we're back to that. Put them on your pedals, guys. It's okay. But um, but if you're in the market, yeah. if you're in the market for an overdrive pedal and you really like the OCD, there are tons of other. Uh, boutique pedal companies that mm-hmm. you know make clones of it or you know their version of it I think in particular the black cat uh, mm-hmm. you know there's other people to support that are not being shitheads <laughs> and yeah maybe even helping the cause so 
That's a good point. Dude, I love that. That's a great idea. Yeah, to, if if you like that sound, because I mean, whatever. It's not like it's not like Mike Fuller invented that that circuit, anyways. Right. It, it's it's based on a bunch of other shit. So like, if if you do still like that sound, there are alternatives, like you mentioned, by Black Hat, and I'm sure there are a thousand others out there. Or you can just go go on BYOC and get a get a circuit board yourself and build your own clone. So mm-hmm. that possibility still exists. Yeah. Good call. I I, um, uh, I sold my OCD literally like ten days ago. <laughs> oh wow yeah so i don't have one can anymore you can see the writing on the wall yeah yeah uh, just well, by chance i'm guessing right yeah no totally by chance uh like i, I just sold the tent like yeah like probably like last week two weeks ago uh but i think like what max said there's there's definitely a lot of other you know pedals you could substitute in there to get the to get that tone you know just a nice overdrive pedal yeah there's, there's plenty of exactly there. Love it. I, lo- I love where we got to with that one. A uh, couple, just a couple quick other things in future gear here. This one was kind of crazy. I've never seen this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on Kickstarter right now, although I think by the time this comes out, the Kickstarter will have ended, but it was funded. Uh, so it's a company called, I think it's called Light for Sound, which is, of course, just like a truly stupid name. <laughs> but the, 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 uh, pickup is called the Opic, which again, oh. possibly not the greatest name, but it's an optical guitar. I've pickup. seen that so on Facebook, I think, or something. You saw like it, an okay? An adver- so an advertisement for it, yeah. No yeah. shit. I just like I didn't. I don't even know. I think it, I don't even know where I saw it, but it like I I was shocked that I had not heard about this until the Kickstarter was already almost completed. But for those who don't know, it's basically so a regular guitar pickup generates a magnetic field. There's these magnets that are going on down there with these metal pole pieces and this. And it sets out a magnetic field, and then your guitar traveling within that magnetic field disturbs it, and then the translation of that sound uh, that is, is gets turned into energy. That's what we hear. Uh, that's how we make electric guitar sounds. This works uh, optically, so it's basically got um, like little infrared uh, LEDs, like your like your remote control has in there, okay. and it has it shoots out. It kind of like shoots it out at an angle, and then that light bounces back at, at, at another 45 degree angle or maybe a 90 degree angle, I guess. No, it's like 45 back into a, like a receptacle. So like rather mm-hmm. than each slug having, or each like, you know, pickup a humbucker has two sets of coil or two coils on there. It kind of still looks like that, but it really actually has like four coils because it has one side to shoot the light out and then another bring back. to bring it back. So, um, I mean, that's cool in itself, I think, just like that that exists. Um, there are, but the more that I dig into it, there are a couple things that I think are pretty neat about it. Um, you can inju- adjust individual string volume um, this this way because it's all just these lights, and there's actually like a phone app that it connects to. Um, so you can really uh, balance the pickup a little bit, um, a little bit better. Uh, listening to the sound demos, honestly, I, in a million years, I never would have known that it like just wasn't a regular pickup. It sounded right. pretty similar to just like... I don't know any other regular pickup, but I I do think it's pretty cool that um, that you know this technology exists. I, the coolest thing about it though is that rather than like with a, a magnetic guitar pickup where you have to use some sort of steel core string, right? Because it it interacts with a magnetic field. With this pickup, you can actually put any string you want. You can put acoustic guitar, you know, like phosphor bronze strings. You can put nylon strings on your electric guitar, and it'll still work because it's based on on light. It's not based on oh. any sort of magnetic vibration. So whatever, whatever so, you like the feel of, basically, is what you should use, and then and then it's just gonna work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the, in these demos, I saw there, you know, dudes playing a strat with a with a set of nylon strings on oh. there, and it's like that's just that's just something that was not 
previously possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, I'm, I'm cool with that. The the question that I had, and I'm glad that they uh, they they address this on their website because I'm thinking like, all right, you're playing a pickup with lights in it, like. What about when you're playing on stage and there's like, you know, random fucking fog machines going off with yeah. all the lights and, and lasers and stuff. And apparently they, they like, they thought about this and that they have some, one of their many patents that they have filters out, um, other lights somehow. So they don't get blocked um, basically. So they don't, so they don't get blocked or create more, uh, that's, that's not there. So yeah, I don't know. It's pretty cool. That I guess the other sort of benefit is that because um, it's not a magnet, you know, like when you're if you've ever set up an electric guitar, you'll know that like if you put the pickups too close to the strings, they'll start to drag on it and kind of like choke the note out a little bit. That's not possible because there are no magnets. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that's that's a, a potential benefit. I will add because I know you're going to ask, uh, Bass Boy. They are working on a bass <laughs> uh, version of this right yeah, now. Yeah. It's just a bridge humbucker for for electric guitar, but they do have a bass prototype that I saw. Okay. Um, the one sort of drawback that I think that there is is well, I mean, first of all, it's a new technology, so you never know like how to repair it or whatever. But it requires external power, uh, so oh. it bas- you have to like rewire your. Um, your so, output jack to be a TRS stereo output, and then you plug into like a little. It's like pretty much the size of a small stomp box. Um, oh, you plug okay. into that, and then that provides the the power to the pickup. Itself. So it's not like an active setup where you would just install like a battery or something like that into the cavity. It, or you could. It is active, but I I'm I'm assuming they didn't do that because it probably requires too much power. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, I do know that you can just like power it off of like a you know Voodoo Lab power supply or something, but um, it is an external power source on that. I yeah, who knows if the if you know maybe V2 or whatever they'll be able to integrate it just like a set of EMGs or something. But um, yeah, right now it is external power. I love the uh, the idea that you can balance the tone or I mean the uh, volume of each string because I you know I've come across many pickups guitar and bass where there'll just be a weaker note or just like the D string will just be weaker for some reason. And, you know, you either replace that or I guess you could, you know, adjust it now. Yes, you sure can. I mean, you always could technically sort of raise and lower pull pieces on, on Mm -hmm. humbuckers, but like that is, we're talking about, you know, very small changes. This is like, you could make the string off, turn it off and whatever. Mm -hmm. So there, there is, there is a a much greater degree of flexibility there. So yeah, check it out. Light force sound OPIC. Uh, Unfortunately, yeah, like I said, this shit will be um, already funded by the time this episode comes out, but you can still buy it off of their website for more money later. So that's that. Dave, I think I see here you did you did you add a link to this doc here yeah i added a link um i just thought it was cool we don't have to get too deep into it um i got an email from cme chicago music exchange that um squire is releasing a paranormal series of guitars which i thought was pretty cool um so they're more affordable Uh, the paranormal series kind of if you guys don't know they they basically mix and match you know a strat with a telecaster and you know the pickups and the body shapes it kind of hurts my brain a little bit being such a traditionalist with you know the look of guitars and kind of you know how they're supposed to look and how they're supposed to sound but i will say um squire does great things man they're they're great you know as far as their build quality ever since like 2007 or 8 they just they got really good for some reason and um you can always replace the pickups and this and that so i thought it was kind of cool they're giving a lot more options for people who just want something a little bit different i think there's like um and i think they're reissuing some of the 90s fenders like the cyclone i think was one of them the cyclone and tornado were both on yeah there. so if you're a fan of like any of that that cool fender 90s stuff which actually now i'm, I'm pretty sure it's it's pretty hard to find and quite valuable um you know in the grand scheme of of 90s fenders um you can definitely pick up uh, one of these squires and you know maybe swap the pickups out if you want or kind of mess with it you know 
break it in half who knows but um i think yeah, it's man. i think it's really cool so i yeah. mean you know me i'm uh i'm look i'm just gonna put it out there i'm a snob right and mm-hmm. so uh I, I i i'm trying to think i don't i don't think i've ever owned a squire i mean mm-hmm. i've had plenty of epiphones and such so like it's sure. not like that that is a possibility i just don't think i've ever had a squire that said both of those things said there is a uh it's the baritone cabernita telly mm-hmm. with p90s yeah. and i was like Really that cool. Seems fucking rad. Yeah, th- yeah, that and the um, I think the supersonic I thought was really cool. They they even flipped the headstock upside down, so it's got that kind of like left lefty converted you know Jimi Hendrix oh, yeah. feel to it and stuff. Um, I don't know. I just I always appreciate when companies that have been around for a long time are still coming up with new ideas and trying to find new ways to attract even you know more introductory younger players or if you want a good backup guitar or something like that or just something different for the studio. I think it's a cool uh, it's a cool option. Yeah, dude. I I don't know. I mean, I don't think I don't think feel like it's really any secret at this point. But like Fender, I mean, like I'm obviously full on Team Gibson here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm 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 a pretty much exclusive Gibson player these days. But like Fender, they just like they keep putting out cool stuff and yeah. and like showing like here's how uh, as as a, a company that has existed and sort of defined this whole world of music for a long time like fender and gibson have like fenders are like by the way we can still keep doing cool new shit and like we're not gonna just uh just destroy all the goodwill we have with our fans and users <laughs> uh, like gibson tends to do these days so <laughs> that's good a on, good topic on for another day yeah sure <laughs> it's been it's been a topic for many of our days here on the show so we don't we don't need to shit on gibson as much as we usually do no Whew, all right. Well, I think we uh, we 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 definitely made it through those, and now it's time to uh, time to start digging into our buddies here in, in the band Rookie. So um, let's start. This is a, a fairly fairly recent segment, but that I think it's uh, it's been going pretty well so far. We call it a couple two tree randos, and this is where we just ask you uh, some random questions uh, about yourselves. So um, we'll just start here. Uh, if you bo- and, and I'm going to ask these to both of you, so you can choose however you want to answer who goes first. But um, if you could swap places with any band member, past or present, of any band, living or dead, regardless of your talent, regardless of what you do or cannot do well, who would that be and why? Max, you can go first. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> I, just thought I was you waiting for one of them to throw the other under the bus. So, yeah. <laughs> Dimitri, yeah. your first next question. Okay. okay. <laughs> switch off. All right, man. Um, I don't know. As of as of late, I would have to, with my current taste, have to go with uh, Ron Wood joining the Stones. Woody. Hell yeah, man. So post faces into the Stones. Yeah, dude. Like cranking in an Ampeg. Mm-hmm. Dirty. That sounds cool to me. I would want to be that guy. That's great. That's a great answer. Yeah, dude, that's a good one. <laughs> that that rocks a lot. Uh, I are you done, Max? Is that your only one? Or if we get one, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, just we'll just do one. Because <laughs> right. I can my sit here one. all day and tell you about every band I want to play in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would. Uh, I hate to bring up Terry Kath again, but definitely, dude, definitely no, they're, they're, him. That's great, man. There's oh, never too much no, Terry Kath on this. On no, this show, he man. we 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 love we love seeing the praises of Chicago and Terry Kath. Mm-hmm. So that that's a, that's a really good one. And I mean, of course, there's like the apocryphal Hendrix quote, like yep. you know, what does it feel like to be the best guitar player in the world? I don't know. Ask Terry Kath. Yep. Like, I don't know if that's actually <laughs> real or not, but like, I I believe it. Yeah, I'll believe it. Oh yeah, same. And uh, yeah, I mean, I everything I do, I I'm like. What would Terry do, man? You know, so <laughs> nice. <laughs> what would Terry he rocks. Do? He rips. You know, he's a 
great, great player and very innovative in his playing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. But yeah, that's my pick. Boom. All right. Uh, now let's, uh, we're going to switch. So, Dimitri, you go first this time. Uh, what's your spirit animal? Um, I'm not allowed to talk about that. I don't know. I don't really know. That's just what I say in those situations because I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> You're just here so you don't get fined. All right, Max, what do you got? Turtle. Mm. Any particular reason, or do you just like do you just like shells? Um, would love a shell to just kind of hide out in, and so I've, I don't know. I've been told I kind of look like one, so I, <laughs> all right. By that, I kind of feel like one. Plus, a turtle's slow but steady and wins the race. Mm-hmm. I would like to win mm. that race. Yeah, Damn. does a lot better than mine. <laughs> I think you're winning it right now. That's that was poetry. All right. Um, again, this is this is another one for both of you. Uh, do you do an impression and or accent? Oh, shit! You got any, dude? <laughs> you're you're first now, dude. <laughs> oh, that's right. Um, yeah, man. The okay. al- the alternate uh, the the alternate approach here, and this is the first time I'm asking this question when we have uh, two guests. So I'll put it out there: if you can if you can do an impression of each other, that is also acceptable. Oh, I could <laughs> yes. definitely do an impression of Max. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do that. But no, no but here's <laughs> but here's the thing: I it's more of like a like a visual representation. So. <laughs> So oh, okay. and I think Max knows what I'm talking about. So I can't really do oh, it. Oh God, no! <laughs> Yo, I'll tell you what he's gonna do. He's gonna drink. He's gonna pretend to drink a canned drink out of the side of his mouth, because I have <laughs> sensitive teeth. <laughs> oh, no way! <laughs> but you know what? I'll give you an impression. If you've ever wanted to have a conversation with Neil Young, today is the day. Oh, this is wonderful. All right. So what were you um what were you thinking when you when you were writing tonight's the night? Well, uh Bruce Berry and uh no GMOs and uh <laughs> I yeah, I pretty much do whatever I can organically and I put tubes in my car. My car runs <laughs> on my car runs on a, a fender champ circuit. That's does good. your does your uh, pono have tubes in it? We don't talk about the pono. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that, Dude, that, that was might, fucking good. That might be wow, the best one that. we've had, man. That's excellent. that is absolutely the best impression so far. Wow, I'm super happy about that. Fantastic. Well done. Oh man. All right, a uh, couple more here, and this question comes from again. <clears throat> we already mentioned last week's guest, uh, our friend Gretchen Hannum from Pylons, and she would like to know and this is this actually works out pretty well because uh it has to do with band dynamics so uh do you have uh any tips or tricks to maintaining peace with a bandmate uh something maybe around communication if you've hit a roadblock or something and and how would you handle that uh well if i had to say like with having like six people in our band I always try to like approach every, uh, let's say, roadblock or any situation like what's like the greater good for everyone. Remember, this is six people, six opinions. You know, mm-hmm. it could be six different ones. So I'd always try to think on like, like a very large scale. Like, how does this benefit maybe you know ten years from now or tomorrow or something like along those lines? If that makes sense. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's uh, that taking taking the long view. Some really good perspective. Yeah. Um, 
Absolutely. Cool. I think, yeah, I mean, like, that's a huge part of it. Uh, I think one other thing is, like, you know, if you're really frustrated on something, like, you, you might want to give it a day. Or, you know, just, like, take a breath, step mm-hmm. away, and, and come back into the conversation. Because I've found that when I've gotten frustrated, you know, when we're figuring something out, whether that be a song or a decision, and, and everyone's in disagreement, when I come back the next day, I feel like I have such a more clear view of everyone else's opinion on the matter. You know, uh, at least it makes it easier to understand what everyone else is getting at when I've had some time to think on it. Dang, hell yeah! That's uh, it. Sounds like it's a uh, it's a treat to be in bands with both you guys. So uh, good on you. <laughs> oh, you know it. Uh, and then here's kidding. the last one, and this is uh, for our next guest. We won't tell you who that is or anything, but um, if you could ask a question to whomever our next guest or guests happen to be, uh, what would that be? And um, you can both give me one if you've got one. Um, you know, we'll see what we can do with them. You got any ideas, D? Um, what? <laughs> Trying to think of something clever here. Uh, <laughs> why did you not mention Terry Kath enough times during this interview? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That that's valid. All right. Um. Gosh. Okay. Pick. You have to pick one pickup for the rest of your life. Ooh, Ooh that's, like that's that. yeah. So way better because I know they're going to ask. Are you saying? Uh, type of pickup or are you saying specific you know good brand yeah, good and point. model no type of pickup okay that's nice. great i love I that i like that a lot i know what my answer is dave what's yours um man i've been I, mean, playing- you're, I know you've got two choices and you've got and you play both a p and a j i guess i've been playing the jazz bass more lately but i i single the uh just the single 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 coil just the one single coil and that's that's been giving me a lot of great tones lately so i'll wow. stick with that yeah. all right how about you there henry I'm, are you gonna say humbucker <clears throat> well you know uh i would say humbucker because i would get a four conductor humbucker that i can then coil split and then still get the single coil sound genius tricky, i was gonna say the tricky same thing. son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> i i was actually so i've been i've got an sg that has p90s in it and i've been like super obsessed with it lately so i was i was sort of briefly tempted to say p90 but like i don't know about you guys but if you've ever played p90s on a not well grounded stage it's a fucking nightmare mm, and yeah. just like my guitar your guitar is louder than like the hum is louder than the guitar itself so <laughs> i um i'm in i'm in team humbucker in that case for sure <laughs> yeah Ooh, love that question awesome. all right great answer yeah james. i'm just let's just uh let's just keep talking about you guys now so all right so obviously you're in the band rookie um there's two of you here so i'm gonna do my best to try to to try to cover both of y'all so like uh st- take us back at least to the beginning of the band for a second here like when did you guys get together how did that come about uh, how long have you been playing together what does that look like yeah man so uh i used to play in a band called yoko and the onos and uh, through that band, I met uh, Rookie's drummer, Joe Bordinaro. Uh, he was playing a South by Showcase that we were also playing. Uh, and then later that year, he joined a solo project band that I was working on, uh, and Dee also joined. It was the, t- the three of us, and then uh, my buddy Paul and my friend Steph, Rody, and... Uh, then from there, I started playing in Joe's band. So 
it was pretty much a hodgepodge. I mean, in Joe's band, it was Kevin who plays bass and rookie. So you had two different bands that had kind of a couple of the same members. And then after rehearsals, we would all kind of stick around the four of us, uh, me, D, uh, Kevin, and Joe. And we would just jam on like James Gang songs and stuff. Uh, And eventually we're like, why don't we just have one band where we all contribute, you know, instead of a bunch of projects. And down the road, uh, Christopher Devlin joined us on guitar and Justin Bell joined us on keyboards. And since then, it's been (laughs) rocking. Hell yeah. When did um, when did you get your start uh, playing guitar and singing songs and doing that kind of stuff? Uh, I started playing guitar when I was probably maybe like eight years old uh but i didn't find out how to fret it properly until i was like 10 um (laughs) and from there started you know singing embarrassedly in my room with the door closed until i gained the confidence to do it now uh what about you d uh i started playing with other people in bands probably in like seventh or eighth grade and that was just like neighborhood kids like those we, there's a band called Galgun that we're buddies with. Most of those guys and my brother, we played all together just in the neighborhood. And then we started playing shows. I don't know. Like real shows, you know? Like, a, like <laughs> I remember the first show was, what's that place on Lincoln downstairs with the pole? In the Martyrs. Elbow Room. No, oh, Elbow Room. Bingo, uh, Elbow Room. Elbow, yeah, elbow yeah, Room. The giant they closed, pole. I think. Rest in peace. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, they did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they just closed. That's right. But yeah, that was. I remember that was our first show uh, when I was in high school like my third year oh, wow. i think so yeah just we've been playing in the neighborhood and the city and stuff are you guys um <clears throat> both uh chicago area originally i'm not uh i grew up in gray's lake but d is yeah I, cool. uh, well, you know that's that's chicago area enough right yeah chicago land yeah 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 the land the land of chicago. the land of chicago <laughs> yes uh, I'm curious for both of you guys, uh, and I, and you know, obviously, I think anybody that's heard your band <clears throat> can can pick up on on all the the love of classic rock. But I'm curious, you know, uh, were were there any players or bands that specifically that you can remember being like, "Yep, that's why I want to play guitar." Uh, oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that's I don't know, for me like the reason I picked up a guitar is because I heard like the rolling stones and i was like that's really cool and i remember like when i was like seven or eight we had like the 40 licks i don't know 40th anniversary oh yeah that, you know, the uh, the double disc or mm-hmm. a double disc yeah thing. and there was like a dvd yeah. that came with it or something I, I don't remember exactly but i remember being like five or six years old and like sitting in front of the tv like five inches away from the screen like watching <laughs> and being like this is insane like i want to do this yeah. <laughs> nice yeah i uh I remember like getting the promise of get receiving a guitar for the holidays when I was in like third grade maybe and like all the nights leading up to me getting it I would like lay in bed before you know falling asleep and like daydream about being able to play like Jimi Hendrix uh just from like the Woodstock videos I'd seen and in my mm-hmm. head it seemed oh, really I, I still do that yeah <laughs> it seemed it seemed so easy and feasible <laughs> and then uh I remember finding, I remember seeing my parents walking in the house from my bedroom window with that guitar, like the box, and I knew where they put it. So I would sneak into their closet when they were downstairs watching TV every night and just noodle on it and then put it back like I hadn't, like I didn't know that it was there. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> D, 
do you still have that guitar? And is it covered in stickers? <laughs> That's a funny story because I was thinking about that when you guys were talking about it. So I I did put some stickers on there. There's like Green Day stickers and skateboarding yeah. company stickers on it. And uh, I like recently bought a DIY guitar kit for like a Mustang type body. So mm-hmm. I was kind of like messing around with some of my old stuff like, oh, like, I could put this neck on this and I found that guitar and I was like, this is just collecting dust. So I started scraping the stickers off and I made it even worse. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a razor blade or something. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't remember what I used, oh, but it's man. bad. <laughs> it needs a refinish. It's relic, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. got scrapes. <laughs> what, um, where did the, where did the band name rookie come from? Joe's bro- <laughs> Joe's brother. Uh, yeah. Joe, Joe, the drummer, his brother Justin, I think came up. Big with Juice, there. Big Juice, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, there's juice. not a there's not a great story behind it. Yeah. Um, I think we were like trying to figure out what name to to play under, and that idea like stuck the best. I think we were all pretty into it. I think Kevin was skeptical on it for a second, and then it won him over even. Uh, so I'm curious too. I, I don't, man, I'm trying to think, I don't, I don't think I've ever played, I like I've, I've played in a six person sort of ensemble, but I've never been in a six person band. Like how did, like, how did you, how did that come about where it was like, you know what, we're just going to go full Skinnerd and go three guitar attack. Like how, how did you even, how did you even land on <laughs> it's that? It's so messed up. Don't ever do it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we play at this bar on the South side. Uh, in Evergreen Park called oh, that, Hearts. I, oh, Hearts. Yeah. yeah I grew, that's where I, I grew up in Beverly. Yeah. So we play there like once a month when there's no COVIDs. And, uh, and, and like we would just jam there on like, you know, we'll play like some Stone songs and some Bob Seger. And I feel like that's not what like informed our decision to have three guitars, but it's helped us craft that kind of mentality of having three guitars you know we all like are Mm -hmm. looking at each other constantly seeing who's taking a solo when kind of like speaking to each other with our hands on the fretboard and our eyes making like contact (laughs) it's all worked out nicely through that oh yeah that's awesome that's actually yeah if if there's any place uh that i could think of uh, that that loves their jamming. Uh, it's definitely Hearts and and their and their crowd in there. So that that makes that's actually pretty cool. It makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I mean, like, just the just thinking about moving around a six piece band's worth of gear makes my <laughs> lower back hurt. So like, do you guys? I mean, I I have to admit, I still haven't seen you live, so I don't really know like what your live setup is like and stuff. Do you, I mean, are you are you conscious of that? Are you using big amps? Like, how are you sort of approaching uh, just having that much fucking gear? It's really, we have some heavy gear. Yeah, it's a lot. Like Justin, our keyboard player, uses like uh he has a Fender Rhodes into a JC one twenty. And then a B. Oh, oh God! Shit. Oh, I'm, I'm. I didn't even get to the worst. Then he also uses a, a B3 and a Leslie. <laughs> what? No fucking way. You guys play with a, a real B3? <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. And he just got one of those Yamaha like pickup pianos. The CP. The CP70. CP70. I'm look. I'm looking at mine right now. Those actually, are yeah. So I. Yeah. yeah it's so we're gonna be bringing that now too. <laughs> Wait, does he have like his own van that he like follows you guys like on on the road? No, we all go in his. <laughs> oh, okay. Perfect. We got a trailer though, and then uh, we just toured with Cheap Trick, and on that tour we were all the guitarists were using AC30s, 
which Whoa. you know it's not like a full stack or anything but those are heavy <laughs> they're very heavy. oh those have those have three handles for a reason yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. but we all help each other we all help each other kevin's got d what's the acoustic that kevin uses the what's the john paul jones one is it a 360 the 370 370 360 yeah, yeah. Well, yeah one I'm of those not sure. i always mix those up yeah wow, yeah those he's are playing not one of those either. Yeah, so I mean, we all help each other out. It all like loads into the to the van kind of nicely, and having that much gear kind of packs it in as well, so nothing moves around. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's heavy, man. It's a pain, but it's it's kind of worth it at the, at the end, you know. Like as soon as Justin started using the B three, it shows it was like a world's difference in the sound. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, you talk to keyboard and organ players, and, and they talk about the B three as its own thing. Like there are organs, and then there's the B three. It's like <laughs> it's 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 its own instrument, um, yeah. and it's actually interesting too. When listening to the record, I was kind of curious uh, if that was a B three because there's definitely a lot of that underpinning of that organ going on. And yeah. I and I and I used to play in a band that was very organ heavy, so that definitely um, sticks out to me. But you know, as long as we're talking about your rigs, like why don't you each just sort of like walk me through like what um what is your sort of like usual live setup look like you want to go first go ahead man okay i'll take it um <laughs> uh, so i got uh for that whole that last tour i used i have a seven nineteen seventy three gibson sg uh beautiful everything is stock everything was stock in it <laughs> so i got crazy and started <laughs> swapping things out you know but uh oh yeah yeah as long as you saved all the old stuff so you can return it to its former glory. oh exactly and you know what uh just to hit on that because i think there are a lot of vintage guitar people that are like hey don't touch anything on the guitar to me i prefer i don't know i want it playing to the best of its you know the best that it could possibly play so that it works you know the best it could work you know so i've had it refretted Mm -hmm. i've had a new nut on it you know the whole I've done. Oh, you, I mean, that's you have to do that. Yeah, Otherwise, it's just a wall hanger. Regular like, maintenance. Too. Yeah, we are. Uh, you you are in you are in friendly company with yeah, that sort of thing no around worries. here. We we definitely love old player guitars. Mm-hmm. That's our thing. Oh, sweet, cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so I've changed pots out like the the whole thing. I've done all that stuff. So, uh, but anyways, yeah, I, I that's I've had that for I think six seven years now. I love that guitar. It means so much to me. I always play that. I bring that everywhere. Uh, from there. I go into, we all use a couple pedals, nothing too crazy. Uh, I have a, what's my overdrive? A hotcake. Nice. Crowther. Oh, yeah. That thing is so sick, especially with an AC30. It just, it makes so much sense. Uh, And then, what do I have after that? Jeez, I wish I had my pedal board here. Uh, That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, An EP booster uh, for the solos. That to me is kind of like, especially when you play in such a big band, that's kind of how you cut, you know, through the mix, especially with humbuckers, right. you know, totally. so I got a, that's kind of gets me, you know, to the cutting to cut. Uh, Love it. And then after that, it's just kind of, I'm always switching stuff out, whether it's like a delay pedal, a phaser. I have an Echoplex I've used before, uh, a Maestro. Like a, an actual tape Echoplex. Yeah, an EP3 I have. Oh God. Uh, yeah. Solid oh, wow. state, you know. The, solid state, the, yeah. The EPT preamps thing, whatever. Uh. Those are those sound amazing, but man, keeping keeping those uh, up and in, in good running shape is yeah, is a full job in itself. Yeah, I, I I bring them out to like if there's like kind of like a cool big local show we're doing, like I'll bring it out for that, you know. But that's not really mm-hmm. hitting the road that much. But uh, yeah, so basically, I, I I have my overdrive I use, I have my boost pedal, and then everything after that I kind of switch out. I have like a Phase ninety, you know, a carbon copy, whatever the Echoplex, just things like that, you know, just to have fun. 
Uh, Hell yeah. and then, <clears throat> you said you're you're going into AC30s. Yeah, I have a TBX that 90s model that they the last mm-hmm. of like the the Brit ones, whatever. Uh, I think right. it's 90 yeah. pre China. Yeah, though they rock, man. It's a 95. Uh, I got the Elnico Blues in them, uh, so they're cool. I, I'm a fan. Hell yeah! I also just bought. I'm just gonna say this because I'm really scared and I'm building my first pedal ever, like next week. I got a like Range Master uh, kit, like a DIY kit. Ooh. Oh, nice! Oh, Which kit is it? Um, I don't know. I knew I should have looked it up before, <laughs> but uh, it's a. Uh, it's just, some guy on eBay has like a whole kit with instructions. It's like a beginner kind of. Everyone that I've talked to is like, if you're going to start building pedals, this is the first one you should do. It's easy. It's yeah. not too complicated. But <clears throat> I'm, you know, and eager to hear how that would sound with an AC30. You know. Oh yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's like that's Queen. That's the whole sound right there. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? Like Tony Iommi used them. Like a lot of a lot of people. Yep. Mark Bolin, you know, just a ton of people used them. You know, I actually it, it occurs to me. Uh, wow, I, I well, um, I I actually did the CME demo video for the full tone uh, Range Master clone. Yeah. Oh, dude, so, I watched uh, that yesterday. Shit. Like well, <laughs> yesterday, two days ago, because I was trying to see all the different pedals. And I'm like, well, it's full tone, so I'm not gonna get it, obviously. But then I was trying to like, you know, just kind of see what's what's the difference. Is it worth buying one or making your own? But yeah, I saw you then. Sorry, continue. Yeah, I definitely did that. Uh, that was that was definitely Range Master into AC30. Uh, there you go. And, and and I thought of it because I did some Sabbath riff. I don't remember, remember which song now in it, but yeah, that's funny. Uh, ho- hopefully I don't get canceled by uh, association. Uh, <laughs> the pedal sounded good, but fuck that guy. Yeah, Just exactly. Clear right. on that. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, that all right, sick. What, uh, it's your turn. What do you got? What's your rig like? Um, I'm playing a 2007 uh, American Strat Deluxe uh, into the same it's the same ac30 top boost model but it's like right after korg stopped making them so it doesn't say korg on it but it's the Mm -hmm. same amp it's weird i got it's got uh greenbacks in it and uh, i've got an angry driver on my board which i've been is that the jhs yeah i've just been using the blues driver setting on it really and then I have I have said numerous times on the show that I think the Blues Driver is the most underrated of all the Boss pedals. Agreed. It's like, so to me, good, that man. Is the best sounding Boss pedal. It can sound kind of transparent. Sometimes it kind of sounds to me like through the AC30, almost like a DI guitar tone. Um, it's really it can be really bright. It, it's awesome. I love it. Um, yeah, and then I I do use like the Angry Charlie setting on there, uh, mm-hmm. just when I want like way more sustain and like almost like fuzziness um and then i got the phase 90 and i've been using a supro boost pedal at the end of the chain oh cool yeah just for solos and stuff but uh aside Uh, from that lately i've been rocking uh i have like a 67 baseman um yeah yeah, and then the bass channel uh my guitar tech or my amp tech uh who works at midwest buy and sell his name is kevin he's awesome um he rewired the bass channel to be like a JMP 50. So I've been Fuck yeah. running the Supro pedal into that and like keeping it all the way up and just hitting it and like shredding in my basement. And it sounds so <laughs> oh, yeah. good. <laughs> I, uh, I, I too have an old basement with the bass side modded to do the JMP thing. And it's just, I mean, it's fucking magic. There's the, cl- the circuits are so similar. Uh, I mean, that's where he got the JMP thing. Anyways, it's really just like a couple tweaks and sometimes they throw in an extra two, but that is, that is just like the sound throw that through like a two by 12. Oh baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love that. 
Uh, I'm curious. So, like, uh, you know, listening to the record, which is fucking rad, by the way. Congratulations uh, on that. It's it's awesome and sounds great, and, and it's an achievement. Thanks. But, like, you know, they're one of the things that me as like uh, as a lead guitar dude, the uh, one of the things that popped out were, were the solos, and I feel like that's just like almost this sort of lost art going on right now. So, like. I mean, are is are one of you like the lead guitar player? How do you guys like sort of split guitar duties mm-hmm. and that sort of thing with your songs? Yeah, it definitely depends on the song, but I think Dimitri takes like most of the solos and leads, uh, especially like the really shreddy, like quick ones that you hear on the record. Um, the Terry Kath solos. Yeah, the exactly. Terry Kath solos. <laughs> That's how you know it's Dimitri. Um, and then, you know, Chris maybe takes the next round of solos and I will do a little bit here and there, but I'm primarily doing rhythm. And then as one of the other things that really sort of, I, I appreciate listening to it texturally. Like the record has, I feel like some of the songs have sort of touch points where it's like, Oh, maybe this one is kind of like T-Rex or like that one mm-hmm. is maybe a little more like Thin Boston or something. or something. Yeah. Or yeah, for sure. But like one of the things I notice a lot is, is that there is oft very often an, a layer of acoustic guitar sort of like either doubling or accompanying what's going on with the electric parts. Is that something that you also do live or is that more of just kind of like a, a studio thing uh on the record it's a studio thing right but we've kind of been implementing it we're all working on new tunes right now through the quarantine and uh yeah. i've been cranking out the acoustic for a lot of them i'm still trying to find a way to deliver that sound organically live it's really hard but uh it is yeah but i mean that's yeah i i have a habit of when recording even like demos tracking a rhythm guitar and then putting the acoustic under it doing the same exact thing i just think it sounds really pretty yeah it usually can add a little just sort of clarity to the attack of the notes that you might not get if you're just like mushing through a whole bunch of distortion and shit so it's it's something that yeah i i it really jumps out to me and sounds really nice and clean and and but also classic i think that's a pretty sort of like 70s rock technique um so it's pretty cool to hear that yeah it's super percussive Uh, yeah yeah exactly uh what's the so i mean just to sort of speak to the songwriting i know you mentioned that you guys are working on new tunes right now like what is the what is the song process songwriting process like for uh you in a six-person band is is there is you know obviously a lot of times max is a singer like sometimes singers are the writers like how do you guys approach songwriting for for your band uh i'd say like that for the first record for like majority of it it's like if you sang it you probably wrote it because i think we also had like a lot of songs that you know, people had from before the band actually even became like the actual six piece it is now, you know? Totally. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, but I think, I don't know, for the next record, ev- everyone's kind of writing. We're all throwing songs in the pile and just kind of making them rookie, you know? Right on. So, are again, just by virtue of never having seen you live, like, are do, do you all sing, sing lead on songs? Like, how does that work? Um, I'd say for most of them, well, on the record, Joe and I sing lead on them, and then... Mm-hmm. Let's get it right is sung by D. Um, for what we've been working on, you know, Christopher sings some. Uh, Justin has a tune that we've been playing that he sings. That's awesome. It's really, you know, like either we come, someone comes to the band with kind of a shell or an idea, and we all, you know, come together and make it something, or you know, someone comes to the band with like a really defined song and structure, and we go from there. But no matter what, you know, everyone kind of puts their own spin on it. And it all comes together nicely and 
we're all like open to anyone singing anything and all that. Yeah, I mean, right on. Obviously, you know, I listen to the record, and I know Dave has too. Yeah, it's it awesome. It's definitely very coherent. It doesn't sound like a collection of, you know, disparate songs. It sounds right. it sounds like a full record. And, and that was actually one of the things I wanted to ask about too, because you know, noticing just like on Spotify, there was this sort of series of, of singles, and then there's and then there's the record, and, and it seems like all those singles made their way onto the record. Um, did you? Was that a did you go back and re-record those? Were those things that you already had? Like, what was that process like? Uh, we didn't re-record them. They were so it was kind. Of, we did it kind of weird. Uh, as soon as we started performing together as rookie, we would start like record like one-offs of each song that we as as we worked on it. So the album came together like throughout the course of like a year and a half. So, oh, cool. Cool. so yeah so like a song like one way ticket that was like our first single and also the first song we worked on um mm-hmm. and that came out in like april of 2018 i think and the same version is the one you hear on the record but like cool. at the time that was recorded like most of those songs weren't recorded yet sure yeah did you was there any sort of remixing or anything that went along with that uh, not remixing, but in the mastering process, uh, we actually had the song that goes into it, Introduction 2, which we put the two on, uh, kind of to pay respect to Chicago, opening their first album with Introduction. <laughs> um, but, nice. uh, yeah, that's like, a lot of it came together in our live sets, you know, like in the order of, like, the track listing, and so we would play that introduction, that, like, instrumental into One Way Ticket, and when we had the album mastered, we kind of had it set up so that it would all flow into each other i i, I love the the flowy record thing that's mm-hmm, something i've i've pained over in the past and i think it, it definitely makes a difference it does make things a little more challenging when you're when you're making like a spotify playlist or something though because then it's like well how do i how do i mask that but uh, whatever <laughs> the the record is the most important part so whatever um I'm, i want to know just a little bit more about the actual recording uh and of of the record like yeah. uh, you know obviously you're all playing your own parts and stuff, but like, how do you, how do you approach the tones, like the gear that you're going to use? Um, is it basically just like, Oh, this is stuff that I use live. So I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do in the studio. Or or do you guys take more of sort of like an experimental approach and try to just like craft the song for the record? Uh, I mean with like leads and solos and stuff, uh, I love like, you know, just kind of trying to mix it up. Uh, yeah, we we've always kind of had the idea too uh, that in terms of guitars, like there should be a single coil and a humbucker, like not mm-hmm. two of each, you know, but like just one of each that kind of adds something. Uh, Absolutely. And then when Chris joined the band, he had P90s, so now we kind of got the whole. <laughs> yeah, you got the third. <laughs> yeah, all of it. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I think that helps with recording. Uh, but yeah, with like leads and stuff, uh, I always loved like messing with amps turning up amps too loud putting pedals in front that maybe i wouldn't always use you know just kind of trying to screw with it i think people can get to a lot of different tones like different ways even if you know like with pedals with amps all sorts of things it's all just kind of about you know guess and check messing around with your gear and stuff Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not to mention your own bone tone. Like I could pick up, I could pick up your guitar and sound way different. <clears throat> Just yeah. same settings and totally, everything, and you totally. even sound on it. Yeah, um, but t- sort of to that point. I mean, obviously the pickups make a huge difference. Do you guys are you are you 
is is it sort of a, a conscious decision to carve out sort of individual sonic space or is it more just like a product of jamming and seeing what what works like is it like hey i'll play in the seventh position you play in open position or is it just like kind of a little more maybe organic or, or natural man i i would i would say it's pretty organic what do you think d well i think there's definitely times <laughs> when like if i i think max when you sing you you play open chords which yeah so then I always just try to play bar chords that way. You like use just mixing up the positions, but sure. I think a lot of it comes from that because it's like organic. Because I've noticed if I do it the same as you, I'm like, oh, how can I be different? You know, just kind of mix it yeah. up. Yeah. So for me, it's really organic because I'm not paying attention. <laughs> and then for D- <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You're just you're in a flow state. Like you're just you're in the moment and present. I'm just really in my zone, now. man. Yeah, man. Exactly. It's an out of body experience. <laughs> How but, how dare I even ask such a limited question? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, on the topic of you know like choosing different amps and stuff for different recordings, I feel like D, you, like you really pioneered like you know like oh for this song I'm gonna plug in my AC30, jump the channels, and like turn it all the way up for this solo, and then you know for example for on EJAM, uh, I think we're all going into D's Mesa Boogie for like the solos. There's three different solos. The first one I take. The second one our friend Brandon Dietz takes. He's actually not in Rookie, but played in Joe's old band. So he had a solo oh, written cool. for that song. He also painted our album artwork. Uh, oh, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah he's a great man. dude. But he plays that second solo, and then D like, throws it all out at the end. Uh, and that's <laughs> all through that Mesa Boogie. So, you know... Hey, we're whatever all, we're works like for the so song. Open to I think messing with stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, uh in fact, actually there was another thing. I don't know if it's actually steel or not. Did I was there is there steel guitar on that record or was that just slide somewhere? Oh yeah. Well I can't remember what song it was. Christopher plays slide. Um so but but on the record, you know, there in fake grass, Chris is playing a slide on his last Paul. But then on a song like on Elementary Blues and Sunglasses, uh, our friend Brendan Linane, who's from Beverly or Evergreen Park area uh he plays pedal steel on both of those yeah okay that no I, that was that was a, that was a lovely touch and and also reminded me how deeply i wish i, I played steel and me to too <laughs> just such a cool thing man. <laughs> yeah chris and justin both have pedal steels and like i'm really hoping that we start implementing that into more songs because i'm kind of yeah big into outlaw country <laughs> Plus, Dude, you just, need, just you, throw it on, throw it on top of the roads. Yeah, I was gonna it. say you need more gear in the band too. I <laughs> know. Uh, <laughs> Another so amp for that too. Oh yeah, exactly. Nice, uh, and usually it's something like a twin that's just like super mm-hmm. fucking heavy. And yeah, the seventies twin all the way. <laughs> all, all, nothing but silver face for sure. What you, so you guys are mentioned. You mentioned you're you're working on tunes right now, and I'm just kind of curious. I'd like to get into a little bit of how you've handled lockdown and quarantine and all that shit as a band like um you know what is what is that obviously i'm assuming that had to have put some dents in some sort of touring and and gigging plans but just like as a functional band like how have you handled staying sharp and writing and doing all that kind of stuff oh it's been a blessing and a curse uh i think for all of us but on my end i can speak to like we didn't you know we had probably two tours canceled or postponed and uh, as soon as I knew that was happening and we decided that we weren't going to be getting together, uh, I just like, I think all of us were just like spending every day writing. Um, mm-hmm. there haven't been many days since March that I haven't written a song. Um, and you know, 
a few weeks ago we decided you know it was safe to get together and we've all been rehearsing in justin's parents garage where we can all kind of keep space but also have like a nice airflow in there and yeah it's it's been freeing What, what about you d what do you think uh I think we're all kind of used to the whole analog thing and this kind of forced us to do digital stuff, you know, to like be able to send it around. And, you know, if I'm at my apartment, I got my Mac, I got GarageBand, I got an interface and I have an endless amount of digital amps I could use, which I must say, like I would spend hours just having fun, you know, just kind of messing with everything. But uh, we definitely, I think that was kind of an adjustment we had to make. Yeah. What's, um, so obviously, you know, it might be impossible to say just based on, really not knowing where the world is going right now but do you have sort of plans like do you know what's next for you guys or is there anything booked that is has been postponed or like what is what is that looking like for you uh as of right now our plans are to hit the road in september but we're very much you know prepared for that not to happen as well uh Mm -hmm. so yeah we've got two shows at the empty bottle in uh in mid-september september 11th and 12th the 11th is sold out the twelfth has has tickets left, but uh, I'm you know we're not expecting it to happen, but we're gonna move forward as if it is because we haven't <clears> been yeah. told otherwise. That's all you can and, do, yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, aside from that, you know, like we're trying to wrap up a second record by the end of the year. I think that's kind of our goal with all this new found free time. <laughs> is that um, is that something that you were gonna plan on doing at Treehouse again? Ah, uh, we may you know. I don't know. Maybe we love Treehouse. Um, we love recording there. Barrett's an awesome engineer, and and you know it's freeing being able to record at a place where we feel so comfortable. But totally. uh, I think we're exploring our options. You know, maybe it might be good to get a bit uncomfortable. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> shake it up. I like it. Yeah. Well, guys, that was that was that was that was lovely. That was excellent. That was Dave, special. did I miss anything? How did I? No. How, did, how how are we? Yeah, no, I think we're doing good. I did have one more question about touring and stuff. I mean, as, you know, because you guys are, I would, you know, you're pretty, are you like a road-heavy band? I would assume, you know, you'll pretty much go anywhere to play. Would, have you considered going to different states where there are venues open? Um, you know, I, I mean, Texas is a hike, but, you know, I'm sure, you know, within the next few months, there's going to be more places to play. Have you considered, let's say Chicago stays on this weird lockdown thing. Have you thought about going to Wisconsin or Michigan or you know, any of these other states, just just to play shows, even if they're smaller clubs, just to kind of get warmed up? Uh, we haven't talked about it. I mean, on my end, and I think the guys would sympathize with this, but, like, the uh, my concern is, like, even if you go to a club where it's, like, a, a hundred cap or something, mm-hmm. and it's outside, like, people drinking, like, people are getting drunk and rowdy with each other and like we all know it's like been happening (laughs) Mm -hmm. with like places where stuff has opened up and like oh yeah vegas is fucking open already yeah (laughs) that's insane yeah the drunkest place on earth (laughs) right so i i don't know like if we're ready for a rock show if like people are ready for a rock show right now yeah but i'd freaking love to i just you know uh my mom's a nurse uh and was working in a covid unit Uh, on the north side so like i don't know just from talking to her i'm like yeah we shouldn't be doing this like it's not wait yeah Yeah. it's It's not not worth worth someone you know getting someone sick and and maybe dying or being on like a uh you know like in the hospital for weeks yeah the respirator but uh 
I can't wait till we can. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I know. You guys sound hungry. You guys sound like you're ready to... And I wanted to say, too, um, I mean, your marketing's been great, man. I don't know if, you know who you guys hired for PR and stuff, but I've seen your ads, you know, just scrolling through the Facebook and everything. And, um, you know, you guys are doing... You know, it seems like you guys are really ready to, um, you know, backing this album and then getting ready to, to start touring again. So I, I hope it opens up for you guys. Yeah, man. Uh, Bloodshot Records are awesome to us and have... Yeah. you know been super supportive throughout this whole thing and helped us with a lot of that so we really oh, appreciate yeah. shout out it. to nan yeah. yeah awesome dude well that was fucking great thank you both thank you so much so guys. much for joining can us can i ask you guys a question Max. about gear real quick yeah, of course. yeah, yeah dude, right. let's do you it you gotta you gotta <laughs> tell me you're like you have endless money your dream rig that you could have and you can only have three pedals mind you one of those probably needs to be like a two three or something but Oh, okay. you know, guitar, pedals, amp, go. You know, this is funny because I feel like Dave probably like 50 or almost 60 episodes ago, we probably did this and I just smoked too much weed to remember. Yeah. So this is great. <laughs> was um, that the ghost one? Where Was that the ghost one we didn't record or we recorded? Where you? I accidentally only recorded my own voice. <laughs> Back uh, in the day, yeah, we were, we were younger, younger gentlemen then. Um, yeah. <laughs> Henry, do you want to go first? I could probably be pretty oh, quick with man. this one. Yeah, you go first because I need to think for a second because I'm gonna as soon as I start saying something, I'm gonna change it. So yeah. just you go first. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm it's funny because I'm really content with like the gear that I have. Um, so you know I'm definitely gonna say you know like a 1962 precision bass is what I I already own one, so I'm very happy with that. It just it sounds perfect in studio, it sounds perfect in live, and it's big rooms, small rooms, you name it. It's the greatest greatest thing ever invented. Um, so that would definitely be my bass. Um, with the amp, I would say I have a Mills cabinet, which I don't even know if they're in, in business anymore. I don't um, think they are. Yeah, but it's a boutique company. It's heavier than hell, weighs as much as a Hammond, <laughs> but it's just like a, a big oversized 15-inch cab. Um, for a head, I've, I've actually been playing through like an Ampeg V4B, which is 100 watt. You know, maybe for the for the Dream Rig, I'll, I'll up it to the SVT, like a vintage, you know, you know, uh, blue line SVT would be killer. Oh, uh, someone else has to, has to move it for me, though. Um, and then... Uh, <laughs> You know, but even the reissue stuff is great. The Heritage, Heritage series that Ampeg is doing is, is really great stuff. And then um, for pedals, you know, just tuner, tuner pedal doesn't count, right? You said, because <laughs> uh, you need one of those. And then um, uh, definitely a fuzz. You know, I love the, uh, like the fuzz God. Um, I was thinking our boys, yeah. at, our boys at Daredevil have a great fuzz pedal. A base oh, what fuzz. is that? The the alchemy alchemist? Yeah, man, I can't remember the name of it right now. I, I'm pretty sure it's the alchemist. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna piss off Johnny with that one. But um, sorry, Johnny, I, I talk yeah. to Johnny like every day. I should yeah. fucking know this, but don't I, tell him I forgot what their base. Yeah, it's called the I'm, Almighty. I'm texting, I'm, I'm texting him right now. Dave said fuck. <laughs> I think it's called the Almighty Bass, and it's like this crazy heavy oh. fuzz pedal. You can mod them. You can do all kinds of fun stuff to them. So I would definitely have that. Um, some sort of like micro synth where you can get really funky and like have some really cool bouncy stuff going on. So, you know, sweep all that fun stuff. Um, and then I don't for a third. I just like a clean, you know, like a nice overdrive, like a nice bass overdrive. I mean, right now I'm using a Boss OD3, which is just like the you know your standard. But um, I'd like yeah, to dude. dive into something a little more, you know, a little more analog probably. So there's mine. Boom. Oh man, I should have been. I, I, this happens every time where, like, you were, someone asks a listening? question, <laughs> and I was listening instead of just like thinking about my own answer. Uh, I, you know, I'm sort of in a similar camp in that uh, I have stuff that I really love and, and like have been able to sort of curate a pretty decent collection. So, um, and I, but uh, you know, I also you know worked in the music industry for a long time and worked for Chicago Music Exchange, so I've been able to play like a lot of really cool shit. Um, 
there in fact now that i think about it there was a 350 or three yeah 355 in, that i played for part of that full tone demo that we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. um that just like it's one of the only old and I, I old gibsons that's just like my favorite shit it's the only old gibson that i've played that i like more than my old les paul or my old 335 um so i would i think i would probably go with that cherry red 355 i want to say it was a 68 i'll have to double check that um it was a fucking incredible guitar. It sold before it even got onto the website. Um, amp, uh, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna stand right now because I've been. I've been doing some work with our, our good buddy Balthazar at Balthazar nice. Amps, and I have his Film Noir 50 uh, right now, which uh, I don't know if he knows this yet, but he's not getting that back. Uh, I th- I might have to go with that because I have. I've. I, I have a lot of bunch. I've got a bunch of old amps. I've played a lot of old amps. This one just like it's fucking rock solid, bulletproof, fifty watt. Sort of, it's based on an old Selmer, but it kind of does something in between, like a Marshall and a Vox. Like typically, I'm kind of more of a basement player, but I feel like this. I've just been playing this amp all the time the past two weeks, and I and I don't want to play anything else. So I would probably go with that Balthazar Film Noir fifty into. I don't know. Let's just let's just say like any old Marshall four by twelve, like a straight front four twelve. Um, I'm not going to be an asshole. I was tempted to say the Dumble that I've played, but Dude, like I, I'm not going to be that guy. <laughs> I was going to say like a Dumble would be. I mean, that's like. I mean, yeah, I could say like a '59 burst into a Dumble if I want to just say like the most <laughs> expensive go. rig with a Klon, whatever. Um, I will be. I will say that one of my pedals is one of the most expensive pedals that you can get, um, and that is a Interfax Harmonic Percolator. Uh, I am lucky enough to have an original one, and it is my favorite uh, distortion fuzz, whatever sound on on planet Earth. Um, so that would definitely be on the pedal board. Um, I don't know. I've been. I've, I'm, I'm actually just trying to like turn around and look at my pedal board right now because I just like have been very simple with that sort of thing lately. I mean, obviously, I got to have a delay. I've got the Moog uh, analog delay. That is pretty fucking special. I would definitely put that on there. But I also, I don't know. You know what? I think I'm going to say the Eventide H9 because that just kind of like does everything else. Like I could have all the sweet reverbs and mm-hmm. and phasers and modulation and shit um, to, to sort of cover the, those bases. So, yeah, I'd say harmonic percolator. Oh, no, but I need to I need to have an overdrive of some oh, sort. Oh, you guys shit. got them going now, man. <laughs> I know. There you go. <laughs> all right. I'm going to say I'm going to say harmonic percolator. I'll say. Um, I've got a, it's a T-Rex molar, which is kind of just like their sort of modded tube screamer with a boost, um, that I just am super used to how that sounds. So I would, I would put that on there and then I'll say the H9 for everything else. So, uh, wow. That is a rock and rig. No one's ever asked us that before. I I know. I feel really special. Thanks guys. I feel great. This is what it's (laughs) like to be on the show to like be put on the spot and have to answer things. Yeah. Uh, No, I just got a little taste of my own medicine there. That That was interesting. Thank you for that. Wow, guys. I, you know, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. I wish we could like this this is by by design. This is more of an in-person kind of thing. I wish we could have done this in person. So, hopefully once all this shit clears up, um, we can actually get together and and uh, talk shit about guitars and 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 listen to some loud sounds together. Um, I'd love to, man. Dimitri, Max, you guys are fucking rad. Can you tell me uh, and and all of our listeners where they can go to find out more things about you and your band Rookie? Yeah, rookietheband.com. And then we're Ooh. also on all the socials. We're on the Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that shit. Hell yeah, you Just are. Just rookie, rookie the band on Instagram? Is that where you guys are? That's right. Yep. Cool. 
Sweet. Well, we'll tag in all the stuff and we'll yeah. make sure that as soon as there is more stuff to sort of push uh, on the world about your, your music and goings on, you can consider us to do that for you because we are fans and mm-hmm. uh, Absolutely. supporters now. Congrats sure. on the album, uh, yeah. guys. It really, thank, really sounds awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, yeah this has been fun. Man. My, actually, my face hurts from smiling. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's not for me just slapping you all the time. No, not for slapping you around. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, everyone, stay safe. Uh, Keep fighting the good fight, and uh, we'll see you out there. All right. We'll see you. All right. Thanks, guys.